Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you guys this morning. Hey, uh, we're going to continue. You might want to get your Bible out, uh, Acts 2. We're going to sort of continue deep diving into that little account there of, uh, of Dr. Luke's in the life of the early church. But before we get there, big question that we left last week, we finished on, and so it's probably a good place to start. Did you notice in the course of your week the invitations um, of God as he was adding people to your life that he's busy saving? Did you notice the invitations this week? Did you, did you see the, the people that God is saving that he's adding to your life? Just like it talks about in the book. That's where we kind of finished off last week is God is busy adding people to the kingdom. And he does it through his people as his people hang out together and they follow him. And so that's my question. Was it the, was it the unexpected phone call? Was it the person in aisle 11 that all of a sudden your heart was like concerned for when you're at Woolies? Was it the, um, you know, the, the person in your workplace that you're just like, man, I struggle with that person. <laughs> but it was like God is busy saving. Where were, where were the people that God was adding to your life that he was busy saving this week? And that's not a guilt question. That's just a kingdom question that's just uh being a follower of jesus that should be our expectation that god is adding people to our life as he's busy saving them so just keep keep pondering that one keep that one on the burner don't let it go all right it's like a fish i don't know some of you folk like fishing i'm not a great fisherman but you know i know enough that when there's something on the line you've got to engage with it a little bit oh hang on a minute what's going on there if there's something on the line there with God, just pay attention to it. Don't, don't be dismissive of it. This is, what, this is what it means to be followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus. So, hey, um, <clears throat> this morning we're going to talk a little bit about how fellowship or koinonia, we've been unpacking this whole idea of the early church and even our experience as the church of Jesus today how koinonia or fellowship is, a, is like an essential um, dynamic for our lives in the kingdom of God. We don't confuse koinonia for the kingdom of God. Koinonia is not the kingdom of God, but koinonia is a fruit of the king's people being underneath the Holy Spirit together, learning to bring the kingdom of God. Okay, so... We don't confuse the people of God with the kingdom of God, and yet it's through the people of God that the kingdom comes, the, the revelation of Jesus. So we're going to just push into that one a little bit more, but this morning in particular we're going to zero in on verse 43 and have a bit of a um, look at how um, koinonia or the, the fellowship how when the fellowship of Jesus' people, when they hang out together, now whether it's like this in big groups or it might be in a small group around a coffee table or it might be just where one or two Jesus' people get together online and they're praying with each other. And, but there is with that, wherever Jesus' people hang out together, the kingdom comes with these things called signs and wonders. And um, depending on which, you know, a bit of our history we're tracking out from there's certain things about signs and wonders that we have inherited and certain things 
about signs and wonders that maybe we just didn't even know about. But signs and wonders are a really integral part of the life of Jesus' people. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're going to push into that one um, about a lifestyle of signs and wonders. Um, <clears throat> I was caught up with this couple during the week who haven't, again, it's like God's bringing all these people back into my life that I haven't had a chat with for about three or four years or more. It's like all of a sudden they're like floating into my world again. And it's like either on the phone or an email or a text message or something. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to engage with this a little bit. And anyway, it's one couple, they were like, he, um, they were here many years ago and um, when they were here, um, they weren't married. Um, there was, um, and, um, but they came here one day and they were like, um, we really want to have children. We really want to have children. And so I'm like, well, you know, I said, there's a conversation there that maybe we should have about children. And um, in fact, maybe there's a little bit of a conversation that we might want to have together before the children, which is your relationship with each other in the covenant of marriage. And we might want to have a talk about that, you know, and explore that and what that looks like. And they were like, oh, okay, we were just kind of hoping you get this um, blessing from you that we'd be able to have kids. And, um, and I said, well, I'm, I'm happy to pray for that, but I think there's some other stuff I think I'd like to pray for first. And, um, and they said, okay. And I said, look, while we're here, you know, it was, a, it was a, just here on a weekend when there were some people here. And, uh, and, and then I said, why don't we just pray together first? And, and, and so we started to pray. And as we prayed, the Holy Spirit fell on this guy with massive power, like dramatic power, kind of power where he was like completely unable to remain gathered. <laughs> the power of God fell on him with such force. He ends up on the floor. His body is kind of both shaking under the presence of the living God and at the same time getting delivered by all of this stuff that's in him because the love of God was so fierce to, just to liberate his life. And he's like getting undone. Now, he was a follower of Jesus. And so this is happening to him. And for the, for the young woman, she was just standing there aghast. Like, you know, maybe this was maybe visit two or three to the people of Jesus. And then so she is aghast. And you can see it on her face. Completely terrified. Like, what is going on here? And in our wisdom, we felt to ask her a question in that moment. This was the best we could come up with. We think it was the Lord. And we said to her, do you want what's happening to your partner to happen to you? <laughs> that, was what, that was all we could come up with because we kind of figured God's doing something. This is good. She's like completely terrified. Let's just ask. And so we put it out there and asked. And to our surprise, she said yes. She said yes. I want what's happening to my partner. And then so we prayed together, and the power of God fell on her. In again, this demonstrative power, manifest power of God. And as that's happening to her, she's now on the floor. He's still 
can't gather himself. He's still underneath the goodness of God. And she's now under the power of God. And so we start to ask her some questions while she's, God's power is on her. We just said, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? She says, I don't have one. I said, would you like one? And she says, yes. She says, what does that mean? I said, well, you give your whole life to him and you trust him as God's son to bring you into his kingdom, forgive you of your sin, set you free, give you a whole new heart and live a whole new life, not according to the way you want it, but according to the way he's doing it. And she's like, yes, I want that. I'm like, great. And so, you know, she gives her life to Christ in the midst of that. Well, anyway, the long story is, those two, you know, after finally getting off the floor, they're both hooked up with Jesus and um, uh, they then begin the journey of, hey, let's, let's have the conversation about marriage. They give their, you know, Jesus this place in their life to author their relationship. And anyway, now they're this great couple. They love God. They've got three daughters and, you know, they're off living the kingdom life. Uh, and I'm just like, the thing I want us to pay attention to, though, is the fact that when Jesus' people get together, the presence of God comes with power to completely revolutionise people's lives. Sometimes, a lot of the time, it's a terrifying and yet wonderful thing. It's both terrifying to, to, to be in the presence of a living God whose power can be just like that and... At the same time, it's a wonderful thing. Signs and wonders of the power of God's rule to manifest in our natural world happens when God's people get together. Because God's people, be it two of us, four of us, ten of us, two hundred of us or more, every time we get together, the kingdom is there. The king's people are there. And Jesus is constantly peppering his people with his presence. And sometimes that peppering comes with a power that is just beyond what we can contain, what we can reason, and what we can understand. But it comes with such power to completely transform people's lives, to bring them into the hope of the kingdom. And it's that very thing I want to ask us about this morning is, where are the signs and the wonders in your life with Jesus? Where are the signs and the wonders? Because it's meant to be this peppering reality. It's not the, it's not the um, well, it's meant to be the normal, not the, um, in, you know, infrequent. Let's grab the book, Acts 2. If you don't have your Bible there, it'll be on the screen, Acts chapter 2. I want to say... Um, Thanks to uh, Amos back there working away on the desk, mate. Good on you, buddy. You're doing an awesome job there today. <laughs> hey, um, Acts chapter 2, let's read this together. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the Apostles' Creed, uh, to the Apostles' teaching. The Apostles' Creed wasn't written yet. Gee, I'm jumping ahead a few centuries there. But I'm taking a liberty there. The Apostles' Creed. Woo! Um, they were at the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to koinonia, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. Full stop. Now, let's just pause there just for a second. Um, now, when we tend to read that last verse, verse 43, we tend to read that with this lens of disqualification 
and only the apostles get to participate. Can you see that when, you re- when we read the scripture like that? We tend to read it with the signs and wonders being done by the apostles. So what we tend to do in our thinking is we tend to go, oh, that means only apostles do signs and wonders. That's not what Luke's actually pointing at here. Because if you marry up this, this, this account with Luke and you marry it up into Paul's teaching into the early church, he says, if the, Paul says, if the apostles are doing what apostles are meant to do, then in Ephesians 4 it says, they're busy equipping everybody to do the ministry of Jesus apostolically. So it's like their job is to make sure everyone is learning how to do what they're doing. And it's multiplying out. It's not a statement of exclusion. It's an observation of invitation to what was the life like that these apostolic characters, because we kind of go apostle, put a capital A on it, and then put a badge on them. When what these guys are doing is little a, they're busy just trying to live this kind of life of what does it mean to live under the power of the Spirit when God rocks up and our life is now being rearranged to follow Jesus and it involves this outworking. They're living this apostolic life, which basically means it's, it's a big word for the word sent. These guys have been sent. They're sent ones. And in fact, if you marry that up to Jesus' last words to his disciples, it is, Matthew 28, is go. Go into all the world, every one of you. We are a sent people. It's just some people get caught up in the sentness and the degree of the Spirit on them to, to actually give themselves more and more and more to that, to making sure others all around the world in the body of Jesus can do what being sent looks like. That's a long way of explaining it, doesn't it? But sorry, but sometimes we need to just sort of of like tease it out a bit because otherwise we just lock it into these little Lego pieces that just aren't meant to be like that. It's more dynamic. It's more free-flowing. It's more power-filled with the Holy Spirit. So anyway, and all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and everyone for the favor uh, uh, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's just remind ourselves again, just cast our eye again over that quote of Wimbers. Um, you know, I think in this season the Holy Spirit is just on this little invitation. Intimacy with God leads to intimacy with one another. In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and God's word. The priority of fellowship is all about the importance of relationships, actually doing them, operating relationally and sharing the common life. It means being family to one another and living and caring, in loving and caring relationships. We prioritise fellowship, koinonia. Koinonia is God's idea of restoring, through Christ, restoring the isolation of the world into relationship. It's koinonia. It's God's solution. It's like, I'm going to use a bunch of Jesus people to turn everything that's isolated about this world and bring it together through the power of my spirit, through Jesus' people. So, believe it or not, the local church is, in Jesus, the hope of the world. (laughs) 
to overcome everything that divides and conquers and separates and isolates and alienates the local church, Jesus people, you and me. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's really like that'll land you in some serious purpose if you allow it. <laughs> you know, it'll land you there. But anyways, hey, um, let's talk a little bit about signs and wonders. What are signs? Well, yesterday, Nicole and I, we had to go to another part of town and, um, and, and Caitlin, and what did we do before we left? Well, we just grabbed the Google Maps. We punched in the destination. We know where we want to go. And then the Google Maps pops up and gives us this, like, we don't even have to look at it. It just, we just listen to it. <laughs> it tells us, turn left, 200 metres, turn right. It leads us along the way. <clears throat> but along the way, we see these signs to the place where we're going for going to. Now, what we don't do is we don't see the sign and go, there's the sign to where we're going. We've arrived. We don't stop at the sign. We don't park at the sign. We don't, oh yeah, the sign, it's the sign. No, no, no. Well, the sign's job is to encourage us to say, you're on the right way. Keep going. Keep going. Keep trusting the GPS. Keep trusting that you are on the right path. The sign's job is to provoke you. Keep going. Keep going. That's the role of a sign. Now, and the other thing about a sign is it also helps you to keep going in the right direction. In the right direction. Because there's plenty of signs. Plenty of signs. I got confused once when we were in America trying to drive on their highways, let alone being all the other side of the car and road and everything. It was like I'm trying to read the signs and I'm thinking I'm taking the sign to the right place, but I'm, I'm looking at the right sign, but I'm on the wrong path, <laughs> on the wrong freeway. And I'm like, and we end up like down in Houston instead of in Dallas. And I'm like, I think we followed the wrong sign. Anyway, the, we're on the wrong road. So we had to find a sign to help us to get back onto the right path, the right direction to get to where we wanted to in Dallas. Signs are there from God to help us to know the way of God and to God while we're on the way with God. Signs are there to help us. And those signs often manifest in dramatic power, these in-breakings of God's presence, his rule and his reign into people's lives. How, dreams. I had this radical, crazy dream. Visitations of angels. Radical healings. Deliverances of freedom. I was, I was like, I couldn't do without this and all, all that person and there's a codependency, but now all of a sudden I'm free. I don't need that. I'm free. I can move again, you know. God's signs, the inbreaking of the reality of Jesus and the kingdom of God are there to help us keep moving on the way to the kingdom, to King Jesus, while we do this with King Jesus and each other. There's a lot of people right now who are, who are trying to interpret the signs in our world right now. There's a whole other topic. But simple to say, I want to put this on the table. There's a great little book to read by Tom Wright. It's only a thin one, and he's just written it. It's only like about, I don't know, maybe 60 pages or something. It's a great little book. 
called God and the Pandemic. And he just writes this um, response, Christian response to what's going on because there's lots of people who are out there saying, this pandemic, it's a sign from God to turn around and, you know, the world's going to hell. Well, Tom challenges that and I kind of land where Tom is on this one. And this is what Tom would say. Tom says, if God wants to alert us to the things that are wrong in the way that we've been running the world, and that seems highly likely to me, says Tom, they will come to us Jesus-shaped. Jesus' announcement of God's kingdom is the gold standard. If you're looking for a sign or you're talking to someone's like, Oh, how do we understand the signs? Make sure that we're not attributing to God signs that aren't from God. Let's actually attribute to God the sign of Jesus and to help people understand what's God doing, what he's always done, reconciling the whole world, overcoming the powers of sickness and darkness and all of the forces of, you know, the demonic behind that, through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to break their power, to forgive the sin, to establish the kingdom now and into the age to come. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hebrews 1 talks about how God in our past spoke to us through the prophets, but now in this age, he has finally spoken to us in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. You want the gold standard of the sign of what God's doing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus and his kingdom breaking into the world. It's Jesus overcoming sickness. It's Jesus empowering the people of Jesus to confront the broken, the sickness and the, and the demonic powers behind all of that pandemic, where we rush to those who need help, where we intercede for the kingdom to come, where we you know, empower people to engage. One of the things that the early church always did was whether there was a you know, pandemics in their age as much as ours, and it's in the book as well, sickness and all that sort of stuff, sweeping towns and all sorts of stuff. The church were the first to go, what do we got? How can we move towards it with the hope of the king? They didn't stand back and go, that's God judging the world because God has already judged the world in Jesus. It's really important we hang on to this one. It's really important. Anyway, it's a good book. If you want to go a bit deeper, get your teeth into it. Let your heart and your mind ponder it. But signs are from God to help us move along the way to God with God. And those signs, those gold standard signs are Jesus-shaped. Jesus-shaped. Wonders. Well, signs are also the invitation to welcome and trust the greater reality and the destination that's being pointed at. Remember that young lady I was talking about at the beginning? She was terrorised. And yet, at the same time, in this terrorising moment, there was an invitation there that somehow her life was being caught up in the power of God reaching towards her life to make sense of her life and that she would be born again and live a whole new way. Amazing, amazing stuff. Wonders, wonders. 
They leave you thinking about God. They draw you into um, intimacy. When I first saw a person physically healed, like they had scoliosis, and I would think I was 20, about 20 at the time, and they had scoliosis of the spine and their back, and they completely healed, and their leg grew all in the space of about 45 minutes, and it was terrible, it was noisy, it was not a, like a picturesque moment, it was really intense. But to see that happen, my response to that was, God, I really don't know you, do I? You see, the wonder of the wondering reality of the power of God when he breaks in like that is he takes our containment, our frameworks of containment, where we seek to be able to frame God by the limitations of our own abilities and thinkings and our own wisdom. And he just goes, well, I'm just going to like, step outside the reach of that for you just for a little bit and see how you go with that. And it's like it blows our doors off and it, it, it stretches our thinking. And, it's, and at the same time, the nature of a wonder is that it draws you at the same time into an invitation of pursuit and knowing God more than you previously did. That's what happened for me that day when I saw that lady. This was like when I was 20 years of age and I saw this happen. And that moment, that moment, I spent, spent the last 30 years in pursuit of what happened in that moment. I have hungered for and still hunger for a ministry activity and a lifestyle of healing that I saw in that moment that God did way beyond my little conservative evangelical framework of, oh, I understand God. (laughs) He blew the doors off. And I've been in hot pursuit of that for the last 30 years. And I'm still in hot pursuit of it. Wonders open up our thinking. They open up our frameworks, our worldviews, and then they invite us into an intimacy with a God who wants to make himself known even more to us in our daily living. That moment of breakthrough has drawn me into greater and deeper intimacy with Jesus as Lord, greater and deeper intimacy in love with his people, his church, greater in love with Jesus for people who are sick and broken and needing healing. It was an invitation to purpose. It was an invitation to purpose. He's not here just now, but there was a young guy that was here earlier, and I haven't seen him for a long time. Anyway, it's probably been maybe, I don't know, 15 years since I've seen him. And he was just sitting up the back there. And I just sat, said good day to him and had a chat with him, and he just, the tears just started rolling down his face. He said, I have longed for the presence of God to touch me again, just like when I walked in this room. He just came undone to the presence of God's love, meeting him right where he was. It was so beautiful. It was so powerful. It was the sign of the king's love for this guy's life. And because one of the things he articulated to me was, I'm, 
I'm in relationship there, but I'm not in fellowship there. I'm in relationship there, but I'm not in fellowship there. He was not in koinonia. He was he's, he's trying to figure it all out in the absence of koinonia. You guys, you guys play a really significant role in seeing the kingdom come into other people's lives and seeing Jesus come alive to them or they come alive to him. So what about us here in the vineyard? What about us? Well, we, are, we belong to a long history of signs and wonders. We're signs and wonders people. We're the kind of people who actually believe that uh, in allowing God to reveal to us who he is and being caught up in the lordship of his son, Jesus Christ, and then partnering to bring that kingdom. We speak of the revelation of God and we demonstrate that revelation through participation. That's who we are. We belong to a long history of that. We love to do the works of Jesus. Just this last couple of weeks, you know, Nicole and I were in all these kind of online Zoom meetings with people all over the country and around, around the world at the moment because we can't fly anywhere. But um, anyway, we're in this call with these people from around the country and this dear woman on, in, in, in one of the little boxes on the screen, she was talking about how her right foot was in incredible pain. She has plantar fasciitis or whatever it's called. I can't think of plantar fasciitis. Thank you. I put an L in there. Where it's like I got told in the first service, you know, when I was saying the word terrifying, it sounded like I said Terry was frying. <laughs> it's like, well, sorry, folks. Uh, yeah, fasciitis. <laughs> Yeah, which is basically a little tearing of the sort of the tendon under, underneath the heel of a foot. And so every time you put your foot down, it feels like you're walking on glass. And it's really painful. Anyway, she was expressing this on the Zoom call. So we just went, hang on, let's stop the meeting. <laughs> we think that's an agenda item of God. And so let's lean in for it. And so together, the bunch of us around the world or the country, we just started to ask for the king to bring his kingdom to this dear woman. And so sure enough, before we know it, there on the screen, this dear woman's in a chair under the power of the Holy Spirit. God is just like, he's no respecter of geography, <laughs> none. And even where we think of the limitations of technology, he's no respecter of that either. He's like, he will rule where he wants to rule. And that what he ruled. And this woman came under the power of God and she was like, oh, my foot, my foot, it's getting all hot. And before you know it, she's like, I can feel the pain leaving my foot. I can feel the pain. She's getting really excited. And we're all sort of like on the TV screens to each other going, what's going on? Okay, all right. But it was so awesome just to see God do that. Through phone calls over the last few weeks, people I've been talking with have been receiving emotional freedom and healing because we just, even through a phone call, hang on, mate, let's just ask the king to bring his kingdom and the king loves to bring his kingdom and it touches people's lives. People are being relationally restored, economically revived. God is bringing his kingdom. Every time, every setting, wherever we meet, whether there's two or more, where we seek the king to bring his kingdom, we will see signs and wonders. So where is and how is the degree of the peppering experience of the signs and wonders of God in your life and mine. Now, one of the things that I do want to just pose is this. 
I think an absence of signs and wonders in our lives is A, perhaps there's a hardening of our heart towards God because there's a cynicism that's grown in there over the years where God hasn't behaved the way we would like him to and so we hold him accountable for not doing what we want and therefore we become cynical of him in the void. And I think the other thing is, <laughs> I think the other thing is the lack of koinonia. Just the lack of opening your life and welcoming people into it and sharing the common life with people. Culturally, that is just like a no-no at every level right now. And it's not helping us. I think, I think the absence of signs and wonders, the peppering, inbreaking presence of God is maybe those two things where we've become a little cynical and jaded. And so we've used that as a reason to harden our heart towards God and say, no, you need to jump inside my expectational box rather than fill me with your kingdom and blow my expectations away with who you say I am and who you really are, God. And at the same time, the lack of koinonia. Remember these things? Mark sixteen seventeen, And these signs will follow them that believe. And he goes on, he lists all this crazy stuff, even snake handling. But anyway, signs follow Jesus' people when Jesus' people do life together. I'm just really pushing on this one in this season because there is everything at work in this season to not have that happen that we're contending with. Okay? Luke 1, nine. when Jesus had the 12 together, he called them up and he says, Here! Here's my authority. Go and drive out demons, cure all the sicknesses, and then proclaim the kingdom of God, and while you're at it, heal the sick. <laughs> Luke 10, after this, so it goes to 12. And then Luke 10, 1, after this, the Lord sent out 72 others, and he sent them out two by two in Koinonia with Jesus under the Spirit to every town and place where he was about to go. And he said to them this, whenever you go into town and you're welcome there, eat what's put in front of you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Do you like the order of that? Turn up, have a good feed, enjoy their food. It's the joy of God to provide a meal. Um, enjoy their food, then heal them, and then explain what just happened to them. Oh, by the way, that was God that just did that. Often we find ourselves thinking, I need to have an intellectual argument to bring someone into the kingdom. No, just eat their food. Is anyone sick in the house? Anyone need any healing? Heal the sick. And then, oh, by the way, that was God. And see where that leads. It's not rocket science, is it? It's, it, I think we make it more than it really is, like in terms of praxis of life lived. Uh, then, the, and So tell them the kingdom of God's come in. Luke 10, 17. And then the 72 returned with joy. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Joy, 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 joy. The lack of awe, the lack of signs and wonders the lack of joy in our world. Boy, the world needs the kingdom. Boy, the world needs Jesus.
This is a supernatural daily lifestyle of being apprenticed to Jesus. And signs and wonders are a part of that dynamic of, of the outworking of Jesus with his people to the world. And, people, and it's where we get to live the different story, countering the stories of this world. My question to us this week is this. This is one for us to chew over, along with last week's question about who's God adding to your life, those he's busy saving. There's this one as well. Who are we apprenticing our life to this week? Who, because that's what discipleship means. It means being apprentice, you know. Who are we, it means... I don't know everything. I've got stuff I need to learn on how to do life. Who am I apprenticing my life to this week? Because Jesus is asking all of us, would you apprentice it to me, says Jesus. Let me be Lord. Let me show you the way. Walk in the power of my spirit. See the peppering reality of my kingdom. Just keep seasoning every aspect of your life and see people come into relationship with the King.